Hey everyone, this is Ashwin from Horror Movie Club. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're excited to talk about Relic with you guys. Um, before we start, I just want to drop a quick note about this episode. Um, I wanted to apologize for the sound quality that you're about to hear. Uh, somehow my microphone didn't kick in as it should have, and the result kind of sounds like I was talking through a metal can, but uh, rest assured, no metal cans were actually involved. Uh, still trying to figure out what happened. Um, I'm guessing it might have been something supernatural, or I might have just forgotten to plug in the microphone. Uh, it's, it's one of those, and I'll figure it out soon. So apologies in advance, and uh, thanks for bearing with us, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. Listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and today we're going to be talking about the 2020 horror film Relic, directed by Natalie Erica James and starring Emily Mortimer, Robin Naveen, and Bella Heathcote. This is a film about a mother and daughter who go to find the missing grandmother. Um, Brian, can you believe this is only the fourth movie released in 2020 that we're watching? <laughs> is this the fourth 2020 movie we've covered? Yeah, I was looking at our past episodes and, uh, yeah, this, this is like, yeah, we're seven months in and this is only number four. Man, that's sad. I know, I know. Um, there's more to you, do though. I mean, there's, there's 2020 releases we could talk about. I guess. Yeah. They, there's one, uh, in theaters right now that's been like topping the box office. Actually, I think this might've been back in May. But uh, it's called a Wretched. Have you heard of that one? I have. Yeah, we should uh, check that one out. I can't. I don't know if that one's available to access outside of a theater, but we'll yeah, have to check not... that out whenever we can. Yeah, yeah. I know. It, it seems pretty. Uh, de- like it's got decent reviews. But yeah, they, I feel like just the whole uh, scary movie uh, uh, industry this year has been uh, kind of stalled with the rest of the theaters. Uh, I think shutting yeah, down. it feels like we've done more because we did um, VFW for movies yeah. in 4K. And that was um, 2020? Yeah, that was a 2020 release. So yeah, mm-hmm. if you guys haven't checked that out yet, go listen to our guest spot on Movies in 4K where we talk about VFW. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that was uh, this year. That's a, yeah, yeah. That's uh, uh, yeah. I want to talk about The Hunt sometime too. Yeah, and wh- I, what year would you put that in? Because I, I feel like that came out, uh, or it was supposed to come out last year, but then it got delayed. Was that the story? Yeah, so it's still a 2020 Okay. Okay. With the release, uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. There are a handful of movies that have come out this year, but just with theater shutting down, a lot of them I think have slipped under the radar, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Although, gosh, to tell you the truth, yeah, maybe VFW or The Hunt could technically be like 2019 because they were at like a film festival or something. But yeah. Yeah. Nobody could really watch those till 2020. Yeah, that that's always annoying when a movie comes out like a year before, but it takes like a year it, before it to come to theater. I feel like they should be dated for the wide release, but yeah, I agree. I agree, yeah. like 10 people saw it the year before and that's your release date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seems unfair, but uh, this this is one I was, I was pretty excited about when I looked at like new movies coming out. Uh, was this up on your radar at all? Yeah, I mean, people are talking about it like it's like going to be one of the best of the year, if not the best. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like from the trailers and stuff, it was kind of giving like a hereditary type vibe, all about like family yeah. and stuff like right. that. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, where it lands with us. Um, 
genre wise, what, what, what do you think? Uh, drama, horror? Yeah, right in that, right in that drama, family yeah. drama wheelhouse. Are you getting tired at all of that genre? <laughs> yeah, I am. Are you? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> so I, I guess uh, like two movies before this was when we did um, Hagazusa and The Lodge, which similar uh, genre, right? Yeah, I, I can't tell if I'm getting tired of it just because we've talked about a lot of them lately or because that is kind of a tr- an emerging trend in horror in general. And I'm not yeah. tired of like drama movies. I'm just kind of tired of drama horror. Yeah, I'm with you. I, f- I feel like uh, drama horror is supposed to be, or I get horror in general, I think it should, should be like a lot more fun or more interesting. And I feel like when you put too much drama in it, uh, it's just, it's not as fun, is it? No, it's not nearly as fun. I still think you can make a great movie that's a drama movie and a horror movie, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Yeah. Not not what I want out of a horror movie all the time. Occasionally, yeah. but Same. Yeah. And I, and I think watching like three, these three within maybe like a month or two, uh, I'm feeling kind of a little bit fatigued on on the genre overall. Yeah, same. Um, any, you think it has anything to do with like the environment that we're in these days and just news in general? Sure, man. I mean, now more than ever, I think I personally at least want an escape, and horror can totally be that. But yeah, something like this, even when it's not directly related to like what's going on in the news, it's just more weight, you know? Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, so if you uh, are looking for an escape, maybe avoid this film. <laughs> um, this, yeah. And this is uh, this director's debut. Was, uh, it looks like it was inspired by watching her own grandmother fall ill with uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, or yeah, I can't remember if we mentioned it yet, but this is very much about Alzheimer's um, slash dementia. So yeah. yeah. And, um, not necessarily the first horror movie to play on that. At least I can think of The Taking of Deborah Logan. Right, right. Um, I feel like I've seen another one, but now I can't remember. Yeah, that, and it's crazy how different these two movies are. Between yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a cool um, area to explore dramatically because it's uh, it happens to so many people. Like, it touches so many people's lives. Yeah. Uh, there was a movie I thought was really good called Still Alice that came out a few years ago. Did you ever hear that one? No, horror as well? It, no, it's not a horror movie. It was a drama about Alzheimer's starring, um, oh boy, I can never think of her name. It's Alec Baldwin and, oh, she was in Boogie Nights. She's got red oh, hair. Oh, Heather Graham? No. Uh, she's. Nicole Kidman? Oh, no. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh, Kirsten Dunst? No, you're you're getting farther and farther from it. <laughs> uh, I want to say Julian Anderson. Oh, Julian Moore. Julian Moore. There you go. Thank oh, okay. You. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so quality she was, radio. <laughs> she was. But in, it was uh, a it was a gripping and touching movie. It was it was good. Okay. Well done. And uh, yeah, I so you're you think this movie uh, you're going to come out and say that it's about Alzheimer's dementia? Is that is that right? Yes, yeah. Okay. I mean, everyone has come out and said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except like in, in the movie, I don't think they say that specifically, but uh, yeah, it's. I, I guess it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the words Alzheimer's or dementia are even mentioned, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it is a very interesting uh, look at uh, something that, yeah, it's obviously pretty common, and it, it's, it's cool to kind of take that mental health approach with uh, a horror film. Uh, and kind of yeah. combine those elements. Right. Unique. 
Um, this, this movie has a very limited cast. The whole movie is just basically three three uh, main actors, right? Actresses. Yeah, yeah. And did you recognize any of them? Um, I recognized uh, Kay. Uh, I think Emily Mortimer from um, Newsroom. You ever watch that oh, one? Oh, right, right. I saw the first episode. Okay, yeah. I think uh, she's in a classroom or something in that one. Uh, what about gotcha. you? Did you recognize anyone? I did recognize her. She was in uh, a few episodes of 30 Rock. Oh, right. She's dating Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Julianne Moore <laughs> was also... Bones. Oh, what? yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Julianne Moore was another one of Jack Donaghy's girlfriends. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. But yeah, she was the one who said she had hollow bones. <laughs> like That's... a bed. She was like a very fragile person. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked her. She was pretty funny in that one. Yeah. Uh, but did you recognize any other actresses? I did not, no. But um, Bella Heathcote is in a movie called The Neon Demon that I've been wanting to see. Oh, uh, horror film? Yeah, it was on a lot of top 10 lists a few years back. I want to say that was like 2015 or 16 or something. Okay, cool. Neon Demon. To check that out. Yeah. Um, this was Jake Gyllenhaal, or Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal was on the producers. Yeah, yeah. So this was a co-production between Australia and the U.S. Australia has a program where the government pays for up-and-coming, up-and-coming filmmakers to shadow a director. Up-and-coming. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, Natalie, Erica, James few years back got to shadow lee wanell doing upgrade for three months oh wow lee wanell's uh, australian yep yeah okay and he, is he the one that did uh invisible man yes yep. oh cool okay um that's awesome what a great program yeah right nice, nice way to rub some elbows um did uh, a lot of people draw comparisons between this one and the babadook uh i think that's also an australian film too right was that? Yeah. It's, maybe you're right. Australia or New Zealand? I can't remember. Yeah. I feel like that's... Someone was like, yeah, it gets compared to that because they're from like a similar area, maybe. But yeah. I, I guess thematically, too, it, it's got some overlap. Yeah, for sure. A monster that's symbolic, or supernatural elements that are symbolic of what's happening Yeah. in the emotional story. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Dude, and uh, speaking of the, the box office with that... that the wretched movie this one topped the didn't top the box office but it was the first like original movie in terms of dollars for the weekend it opened which one relic yeah the only thing that topped it was the a ghostbusters 2020 re-release oh uh wait i, th- I thought this one uh i yeah i guess it is in a few theaters then right yep so it's at some drive-ins um okay. so it's box office so far has been eight hundred and twenty-five thousand. And that's like top the box office. That's like topping it, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> Wait, yeah. wh- what's going on with Ghostbusters? Is it a 2020 remake? Yeah, they're doing a bunch of like re-releases. Um, not a remake, a re-release. Oh, okay. So like they've been screening like Jurassic Park and stuff like that at drive-ins. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Could you imagine watching this one at a drive-in? This is not a drive-in movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, god, that... Sounds like a terrible night. <laughs> uh, are you, you going to check out a drive-in anytime soon? No, there's not one close enough to us. I think the nearest one's like an hour and a half away. Okay. Somebody, I can't remember who, if it's like a bar or a restaurant, is doing like a drive-in screening of Space Jam near us. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's just, it's space Jam. <laughs> I'll skip it. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of nostalgia there. Uh, yeah. 
that, that's kind of a cool new uh, theater format, though. That's I, I feel like gaining a lot of steam uh, right now. I, I know a lot of like WalMarts are starting to do it too. Um, it'd be interesting to check out a horror film at, at one of these. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what where it is, it's like Walmart or something. Yeah, it, I mean, it would be fun to do. Yeah, right. Got to have the right movie. Yeah, exactly. And this this probably isn't one of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's really great. Uh, the box office numbers. I mean, they're, they're low, but I guess they're pretty high for what's going on right now. Um, yep. So and, yeah, that's yeah, high on the box office, and like I said, like some of the major horror outlets are really talking this movie up. Yeah, yeah. I I think it got a lot of hype before it even came out. Uh, like ninety one percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, definitely like a darling at uh, Sundance where it premiered in January. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but then again, we're seeing uh, a pretty big spread in terms of the critics versus user reviews. I think it's got a six on IMDb, seventy some percent on Met, uh, Metacritic or whatever. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot to check what the users thought, but that makes sense. That was kind of what I expected. Some mixed reviews. Yeah, these types of movies never, I feel like, get great user reviews. Yeah, but, they don't. I mean, genuine, generally, like higher brow type stuff sometimes doesn't yeah um but yeah got it yeah not to call the population stupid but (laughs) yeah but i mean if if you're going out for a horror film uh, i I could see you being a little disappointed yeah yeah it's i mean that's just the nature of it too some movies like this yeah yeah not gonna win everybody over yeah yep um well yeah it seems like this really hits home for people who have had like alzheimer's or dementia touch their lives in some way yeah, yeah, I think it does. Uh, it's a, it, interesting in, in portraying that in a new light for a lot of people, and yeah. probably pretty relatable. Yep. Um, you have anything else, or you got an Ohio connection for us? I've got an Ohio connection. If you're ready to hit that, I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, you can go to jukeboxcle.com and order some beer, or wine, and pick it up in your car. Um, He says, Relic is the fourth feature film from independent film and television production company AGBO. Formed in 2016, their most successful production to date has been the recent action thriller Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth, and per reports is the most watched original film in Netflix's history. Oh, man. I watched that one. Do you watch that one? I haven't seen it, no. Oh, it's it's okay. Uh, he says AGBO was founded by Joe and Anthony Russo, aka the Russo brothers, directors and visionaries behind many of the films in the MCU, including Captain America: The Winter Soldier, Avengers: Endgame, and Avengers: Infinity Wars. Cool. The Russo brothers were born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Someone was just talking about the Russo brothers. Uh, that's I guess uh, I didn't realize they were the guys behind uh, that. You said Iron Man or Captain uh, America? Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't either. So thanks yeah. for that, Alex. Yeah, good one. Awesome. Uh, you know what, dude? I thought of one kind of uh, unrelated thing I wanted to bring up. You, you know, was it in The Descent when we were talking about, we were wondering whether or not Netflix still does the DVD model? Oh, yeah, right. So we got an email from a listener. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, listener named Craig got in touch with us, and he said, I am one of those people. <laughs> and he said he subscribes to Netflix streaming too and Shutter, but with a DVD service you can get virtually anything. It's mm-hmm. about nine dollars a month, and he gets the Blu-ray version of the service, one disc at a time. Um, wait, it's nine bucks a month just for the DVD, or is that DVD and streaming? I think it's nine bucks on top of oh, the streaming. Oh, on top of. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And he says, I was going to Redbox, iTunes, Prime, etc. several times a month and spending a lot of money outside of my Netflix streaming subscription. Hmm. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. Because, I mean, when we watch these movies, we pay like uh, 3 or $4 on average, right, to rent them? Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. Like, if we weren't, I feel like usually we're picking movies at the last minute and it's kind of like a tight, tight time window. Yeah. So if we weren't doing that, I probably would. <laughs> Do so that. If we, I mean, yeah. If we picked out the movie like a month in advance, to, yeah. To give it that time yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I guess that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it'd probably be a lot more cost effective. Yeah. Fly, I mean, I used nine. to love it when I was, you know, first started like re-getting into horror as an adult. I was, I was on Netflix all the time, man. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was just I was terrible about returning them, and then yeah, basically you just end up sticking with one, like overpaying. It would, yeah. it would be like on streaks. Like when I was good at returning it, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how you maximize it. And then if you pay yeah. more, you can get like two or three at a time, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Oh, that's, that's good intel. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Craig, for reaching yeah. out. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, great. Any, anything else on this one? Nope. I'm thinking I'm ready to spoil the plot a bit. Cool. All right. Yeah. Let's go through the plot. We'll spoil it. We'll talk about a review of the film. Um, but before we do that, do you mind if we take a quick break? I'm going to grab a quick snack. Okay. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Brian, sorry, I'm back. Hey, what'd you get? Oh, you know, I was uh, running low uh, on protein, so uh, I just found some old family photos and started uh, munching on them. Uh, <laughs> you, ever, you ever chew on those for, for some protein? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what kind of protein is that? Oh, you know, uh, it's like a chemical that like lives in the film. I think it's, uh, I don't know, I don't know, is it like carotene or something? <laughs> 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 I just put put you on the spot, knowing you'd say some ridiculous word. Yeah, we can keep going on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that color of black and white protein type thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think carotene is a protein. Maybe casein. Oh yeah, <laughs> is that with a K? I don't know, man. <laughs> we right. we gotta stop. Yeah, someone's gonna email us about this. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. You ready to dive into the plot? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So uh, this movie opens on uh, this house where uh, we see the water in the bathtubs overflowing and spilling down the stairs. And we see an elderly woman staring out the window um, and uh, these Christmas lights kind of flashing slowly. And it's just kind of like this ominous opening. And uh, did you feel like you saw something in the window or what did you make of this opening? I didn't really know what to make. It just seemed like somebody who had was going a little loopy and hmm. there wasn't much else to it you know it was just kind of a single shot yeah i could have sworn i thought i saw something moving out around outside the window she was staring outside of um oh. but probably not now i mean now after you go through the film but um coming to the film I, blind yeah I, I thought there was something out there okay i have a proposal of what you may have seen but we'll get to that at the end Ooh, fun okay so uh, then we jump to uh, 
so, so that woman in the beginning, her name is Edna. She's uh, a grandmother. Her daughter, uh, Kay, and her granddaughter, Sam, um, arrive at the house. Um, and when they get there, they find out that their grandmother, Edna, is missing. And no one's seen her for a few days. They settle into the house. Um, and I, I really like the the setting of this house. It's like pretty old and um, feels like a, like an old, like creaky house in the country. What, what, what did you think of this setting? Yeah, it's a great house to shoot this movie and like good production design and everything. Good location. Yeah, it felt really real. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they kind of talk to some neighbors. They talk to the police. No one's seen Edna. They do a search party to try to find her, but nothing comes up. Um, they've also noticed in the house, there's some mold growing on the walls. Uh, this black mold, it's in some closets as well. Um, I guess there's some creepy stuff going on where like they hear these bumps and noises that are coming from the house. Uh, there's one scary dream seg- sequence where um, I think Kay has a dream that like she's in this cottage and um, there's like someone old like and decaying on the bed. Um, what, what did you did you uh, buy into like all this kind of scene setting or like was this building the atmosphere for you? Um, yeah, it slowly was building the atmosphere, but I still I never I always kind of wondered what they were getting at. Yeah, um, and it was a little bit slow. Yeah, this 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 is really slow, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was getting the sense like maybe this house is haunted or something, or like there's something watching them from the outside, or maybe something's moving in the house or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we, so yeah, as a viewer, you don't really know what's going on. But then one morning, Kay wakes up, and she finds Edna, the grandmother, uh, in the kitchen just making tea like nothing's happening. Um, so they, they ask Edna where she's been. She doesn't really answer them. Uh, they take her to the doctor. She checks out. She's fine. But she does have this dark spot that's starting to grow on her chest. Uh, they think it's like a bruise or something, but they don't know. Um, and I, I think this is kind of where they start introducing the idea of Edna and how she's uh, you know, forgetful now. She's like showing signs of dementia. She thinks um, there are people uh, coming to the house um, or like following her and stuff like that. Some paranoia setting in. Um, I, I think like the next like probably half hour is just around like her and, and showing that side of her, right? Yeah, and there's, like, the story is really told through the mom, like, the person in the middle, you know, the not the granddaughter or the grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does a good example of showing, like, the frustration and desperation you feel when someone close to you has dementia and, like, yeah. how oftentimes the, um, like, the next generation down, like, the grandkids are, like, more tolerant of it or, like, less frustrated by it. Sure. Yeah, they kind of have the shield of like the parents in front of them. It's like yeah, carrying, carrying yeah, the weight of it. I think, right. And I think their relationship is just a little less burdened by the baggage of like your relationship with your parents. Yeah, right, right. Um, it made me think of, so I had a great aunt who had dementia. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting in our dining room one time eating a meal. And she was like, I painted this room. Uh-huh. And her sister and her niece, who's my aunt, were, like, arguing with her and trying to, like, reason with her that she did not paint this room. Yeah. And it was so crazy to me that they were trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. But then it's also, like, it's so hard to put myself in their position. Like, right. if someone you spent, like, your entire life with yep. Yep. just suddenly wasn't there anymore. But, like, for me, I was just like, you know ask her why she chose this color or like tell her she did a good job and we can be done with it. Sure. Like humor it. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that was a little touch of what was going on here with the mom versus the granddaughter. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of a theme that comes up from these interactions is, yeah, the granddaughter is like a little bit more accepting. The mother's kind of more frustrated and uh, realizing like her mother's changing, I guess. Yeah. Yep. And then they al- almost end up like flipping roles later, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but at this point, like, do you assume, uh, as the viewer that like something supernatural is going on, like this woman who's been missing for three, four days is back. Uh, like, are you kind of wondering, like, is this really her? Like what's happened to her? There's a little bit of that. Yeah. But I was always just so unsure of what the supernatural element was in this movie. Yeah. Right. How about with you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I assumed something like we, we knew something was like going on in the house and, uh, this woman who's disappeared and come back has come back and like she's talking to herself um yeah i think my mind definitely jumped to like this isn't the grandmother this is like some kind of uh thing that lives in the woods that's like come in or something but but yeah i mean i I think maybe that plays into what they're trying to get to with this movie um so yeah yeah i would say like the the conversations between the the mother and the grandmother are pretty tense uh that to your point the granddaughter is is more uh warm and affectionate but then also um, she kind of feels some of the, um, I guess, disorientation or dementia also from, from the grandmother kind of forgetting. Um, there's one scene where the grandmother gives her a ring and then she like pulls it back because she forgot she gave it to her. And so I think she's like some of that shock's also getting to her as well. Right, right. And she sees how she could be like borderline violent. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I think things just kind of progress really slowly with uh, the grandmother acting really weird. Um, or, or like, yeah, kind of, uh, like something's going on and there's scenes of her talking to herself. There's a scene where she's eating photographs, um, because she doesn't want something to come take the photographs or the family memories away or something. Um, any, anything else stand out to you about, uh, how she's, uh, deteriorating? Um, she leaves, did you mention she leaves like post-it notes all over her house? Right. Yeah. Like, uh, take reminders to take the pills or there's a note, like don't follow it or something. Yeah, so they kind of vary between, like, mundane, everyday reminders and, like, more ominous stuff that makes you think something else is going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely thought there was something supernatural going on um, and, and like, there was some kind of possession maybe or something. Yeah. Um, but so uh, I think things finally, you know, they're, they're kind of getting tense and weird and uh, there's a lot of friction between the characters here. Uh, finally, the granddaughter, Sarah, at some point, she finds this closet where there's mold uh, on the wall. She peels it away and it leads into this secret hallway uh, that has a bunch of doors leading off of it. So she wanders into like this uh, this uh, thing behind the closet and she finds herself trapped in some kind of maze that's like within the house or something in the in the walls or something. It's almost like another dimension in a way. Um, yeah. And the walls are kind of closing in on her and she can't really get out of this uh, space. Every corner she turns um, is like a dead end and the walls be are closing behind her and stuff. Uh, what, what did you make of what was going on here? I still was... Yeah. The, I thought it was a cool scene. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I just didn't really know what was going on or why. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty disorienting. And uh, raises a bunch of questions. But I, I thought finally it's like trying to tie a piece of like where that grandmother went um, to like something yeah. that's going on in the house or something. Right, right. And the closet was kind of, you know, there was some foreshadowing around the closet, so you knew something was probably up there. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so while she's stuck in there and she can't get out, uh, Kay and Edna are trying to have a eat dinner, 
uh, when Edna gets up, Edna's the grandmother, she gets up and uh, she urinates on the floor. And so Kate takes her to have a bath. And while Edna's having a bath, she starts to stab the dark spot on her chest. Uh, and I, I think at this point, is she peeling it, peeling the skin off at all? I think she's just kind of stabbing into it. Okay, yeah. So Kate pulls her out of the water, and Edna runs off into the same uh, hallway that uh, Sarah had just run into that's behind the closet. Uh, Kay goes after her, and uh, at this point, I think Edna starts to kind of uh, lose it, where like her skin is kind of co- uh, coming off and peeling off, and she's crawling on the ground because she can't hold her weight up. And she's almost attacking Kay at this point. I, I guess this is maybe the climax, right? Yeah, yeah. It does seem like she's planning to attack Kay. And she's like also stabbed herself in the face a bunch at one point. Like, Oh, right. She's, yeah. She's really violent and deranged and, and hurting herself, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at this point... She's kind of scary in this sequence. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think what adds to it is like at this point the power is out and Kay's just wandering around with like a flashlight. So you get that like nighttime. You're in in these like uh, in this like dark hallway that's not supposed to exist, and right. these, you see flashes of uh, the grandmother like with her skin coming off, coming at you. Yeah, so definitely all out horror moments here. Where if the rest of the movie was lacking in those, yeah. Which and, and like at this point we're like an hour, hour fifteen in. Yeah, pretty far in at this point. Yeah. Uh, so Kay's trying to escape Edna, who's you know. Uh, her skin's falling off and she's uh, crawling on the floor after Kay. Uh, Kay runs into her daughter, Sarah, and together they're able to knock down on the walls and break into the family room, just managing to almost... Well, actually, they're trying to escape Edna, but she basically grabs on and comes out after them. And at this point, like a lot of her skin is peeling off and you can see this black uh, shape or mold that that's uh, under it. Um, they finally beat her down and they go to escape the house. But as they're about to escape, uh, Kay changes her mind and ends up going back to Edna and starts to kind of soothe her and like peel her skin off bit by bit. Uh, what, what did you think of this uh, like change or their twist in the story? Um, I, I liked it. I guess it was um, pretty like gross. It like, was uh, yeah, the skin coming off, cringy, really good makeup effects and like prosthetic effects and stuff. Yeah. So, like, yeah, she's just slowly peeling her skin off, and we hear Edna's, like, labored wheezing the entire time. Yeah, right. So, it was, um, I thought it was kind of intense and creepy and eerie, because it was also, like, kind of touching as well. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. It was, like, kind of gross at the same time. Like, she's, like, just lovingly removing her mother's skin and, like, scalp and stuff to reveal this, like, black creature underneath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because you've got you've got like this monster basically, and uh, now Kay's just kind of like consoling it and like being like pretty endearing towards it. Yeah, it's wild. Um, so yeah, so she she peels off all the skin. You just have this black creature, and then uh, the movie ends with Edna, Kay, and then her daughter lying on the bed together, uh, just kind of um, holding each other. And then um, Sarah sees that on Kay's on the, on the back of her mom. Uh, that same black mold has like started to grow on on her back, and I think yep. that's where it ends, right? Yeah, I think that's the last shot of the movie. And somewhere in there, there is a shot of the stained glass window that's on the front door. Oh, right. Which is a running thing throughout the movie that we didn't really talk about, except maybe at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's like uh, a throwback to the idea that there was a house on the property that the great grandfather or someone lived in. 
and then the parts of that house have been incorporated into the current house. Right, and that was Kay's nightmare. Was that I think she it alluded to the fact that maybe she had walked into that cottage. Oh, as like a kid. curious about what her great grandpa was doing or how he was doing, and saw him like yeah decrepit and diseased and like right crumbling essentially, and it haunted her dreams. And then yeah, that the grandma Edna at some point mentions that like the window is the problem. Like they shouldn't have put it on this house. Oh right, right. So yep. there's some illusion that the window itself is the source of the the supernatural. Yeah. Well, so in your opinion, was there something supernatural going on here? I don't necessarily think so. Or That's what's strange about this movie. So all the supernatural elements, they are symbolism for dementia and for the journey that this family is going on and that Edna is going on. Right. But it seems like that's all that they are. Like, yeah. There's no real, um, not that you have to give an explanation for the supernatural stuff, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really have its own like storyline other than like there's this labyrinth in the closet and then also her skin falls off and she's like a black creature yeah. underneath it. Like, yeah. Like, w- why? Like, there's no explanation for that. It's just like all symbolism. Like, yeah, exactly. Labyrinth symbolizing like, Edna's mind, you know, and just getting, I think the director even mentioned she was inspired by something where an Alzheimer's, someone, I can't remember if it was someone she knew or it was Mm -hmm. something she saw on on TV or what, but like an Alzheimer's, someone suffering from Alzheimer's said they felt like they were lost in their own house. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that's what the labyrinth signifies. And I think the peeling of the skin is like, you know, they're a shell of who they once were. Right, right. But, and even the window, I think, might symbolize, you know, this was all passed down from generation to generation, like a genetic thing. Exactly. But there's no, you can't make any sense of that other stuff. You know, it exists as symbolism only, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like, why is there a labyrinth that even the granddaughter and the daughter could end up in? Right, exactly. And why is she falling apart? (laughs) Like, I don't, physically falling apart, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. That, that's the most confusing part about this movie is uh, usually when you have a movie like this where there is symbolism, it's like running in parallel to a story that like uh, is, is like a typical monster movie or something. But this one, there is no kind of like two layers of the story. It's all just symbolism and uh, you don't really know like, like yeah, did, did this stuff actually happen or it, it just seems like it was all basically just uh, metaphors and oh, this is supposed to mean this and this like uh, this is happening because of this, like some deeper meaning, which is cool and everything. But it's like you're kind of missing the benefit of having two storylines or one that like hints towards like symbolism or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there. I mean, like there can be like an inner emotional story and an outer, outer. Yeah. More like practical event driven story, and that they inform each other, and the event story is really symbolism for the inner story. But right, the events here are just pure symbolism. Like exactly. they don't stand on their own as a story. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I feel, I, yeah, this seems, seems kind of jarring because I, I don't think I've seen uh, that approach taken before where it's just like, here's all the symbols uh, and no, like, kind of real-time story, I guess. Yeah, and um, it really just kind of felt to me like a drama with a horror story, like, bolted on, like, yeah. almost retrofitted. Right, right, yeah, um, yeah. And I... 
even though this always isn't necessarily isn't my jam, like drama horror, like I'm for it. I get it. I think it can be done effectively, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. they just didn't weave it together here that well. Right. Yeah. It seems like a, a bit of a missed opportunity there. And then uh, yeah. the ending to you, uh, I, th- I think I, I think I read this in our interview or something, but it's pretty clear. Like it's around like the, the mother accepting like the grandmother for like who she is now versus being angry of like that she isn't who she was before. Is that your takeaway too? The mother, wait, say it one more time. Uh, the mother, Kay, accepting her mother, Edna, uh, who, right. as who she is now versus being angry about who she used to be before and that she's not that anymore. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think like a lot of it hints to the experience that I've heard from a lot of people who know somebody going through dementia is that like you see like they die before they die. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're gone even though they're still here and it's just like the weirdest, hardest thing to deal with because yeah. it's you never get to say goodbye. There's never like one point where it happens. It's just right. like they slowly slip away and then they're completely gone, even though physically they can be healthy and right in front of you. That's true. Yeah, a lot of horror is just about like you're alive and then you're dead, but this kind of goes into that gray area where you're still alive but you're not uh yeah, you're not yourself anymore. Yeah. And, and yeah, that I mean pain that's that causes a- for sure. Like, that's an especially horrifying thing. Right, right. Yeah, and I think the film did an amazing job there. But yeah, to your point, like, amazing, like, drama and, and great way of, like, portraying that, but kind of underplays maybe the, the horror elements or doesn't really live up as, like, a horror film. Yeah. I Honestly, I would have rather just seen this movie as a drama. Like, I, I yeah. was intrigued by the relationships and the nuance of the relationships and the characters themselves thought it was well acted like all around a well-made movie yeah um and i honestly feel like the horror elements kept me from getting as emotionally invested as i could have like Uh, oh yeah the last scene where they're all like spooning each other like could have been really touching but i was just i couldn't piece anything together as as far as logic for why yeah some of the things happened and it just kind of took me out of it yeah, 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 I hear you. Yeah, this could have been a lot more powerful just as like a straight drama. Um, yeah. I, I think the horror, I, I, I thought that horror thing kind of added a cool like creative element on it because I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like the, the dynamics, the characters, the way they interacted and like the overall themes, really strong and like really relevant. And uh, it's great that like they're able to bring this to life. Um, and I thought the way they tried to make it, um, you know, almost like the supernatural thing that's happening uh, added kind of a fantasy type of element to something that's like very real. But, um, yeah, it, it could have been just like a straight up, uh, drama. Um, Hey, if, if, uh, there was nothing supernatural, where do you think the grandmother was, uh, when she went missing for like a, a few days? She was, so I guess, yeah, I'm answering that poorly. I do think there were supernatural elements, but I don't think there were like any, yeah. there was any real explanation for them. Okay. Cause the director had said those thumps they were hearing in the house when they first, the first like twenty five minutes of the movie before the grandma was with, right with the uh, with Kay and um, Sam. Yeah, she said that that was the grandma in the walls, like in oh. that labyrinth. Okay, okay, like she got so, lost in her own house. Yeah, so uh, that's where she was. Okay, yeah, but it's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just so weird. not only does she have dementia, but there's also this like weird labyrinth in her house that's just randomly there. Right. Right. But like, yeah, it's, it sounds like that's more like a psychological uh, element of like the dementia and, and her like metaphorically being lost in her own house or something. Yeah. 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 
yeah, it's 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 a it's a strange one how, how they try to blend the horror and the like the symbolism and the the, the story that we're seeing together. Yeah, um, I'm glad that you agreed because I thought maybe I was just being too hard on it, <laughs> like or like it almost feels like a a criticism like like a more of a shallow horror fan. Not that we are aren't shallow would have yeah, like sure. oh it's like a drama movie, but it's just like it somehow they weren't woven together yeah. as well as they could have been. Yeah, I agree. Um, there was a disconnect. Dude, when were we talking about... So there's a scene in this, I think leading up to the climax, where Edna is... It's kind of letting you know that Edna's really kind of going, um, mm-hmm. like truly transitioning away from like any part of her that anything left in her is gone. Right. And she pees herself. Yeah. We've talked about that before, haven't we? Like, um, yeah, I think we were talking about it in Evil Dead, the remake. Uh, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. and it happens in The Exorcist and it follows. Oh, yeah. Right. And we were talking to, trying to talk about like why that's scary or why it's in horror movies. And I think we theorized maybe it just like signifies no one's, someone's no longer in control right. of their actions and that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sure. that's kind of what it was used for here. Right, yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah, seeing an adult uh, do that, and like, especially when they like don't react to it, or they're not like, "Oh shit, I'm peeing myself." It's yeah, just like, yep, yeah. And we always talk about it, or we always see it as a, from a woman. Like, oh. if you ever see a man pee himself, it's because he's scared. Yeah, and like right. it's almost like showing that he's a coward. But if you see a woman doing it, it's meant to like make her creepy. Wow, that's interesting. I guess yeah, I can't <laughs> unpack totally why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's pretty layered. That's that's really I, interesting. They, you, you observe that yourself? You figure that out? I think so. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's deep, man. I feel like maybe it goes back to like what we've talked about before with taking something that we don't think of as aggressive or violent and scary culturally, traditionally, and making it so. Mm-hmm. So like... A child, a creepy kid, comes from the fact that kids aren't supposed to be creepy. They're supposed sure. to be pure. Yeah. And, like, a woman is supposed to be pure. Right. And again, not me, but, you know, cultural norms over the past however many hundred sure. years. And sure. not only is she impurified, like, soiling herself. Yeah. But she's also, like, letting you know she's no longer in control of herself. And I yeah. think that in itself can be creepy when there's just someone in a horror movie that you can't empathize with anymore. Like, right. You don't know what's in their heads, and which is why someone with dementia could also be scary um, in a movie and probably in real life because you can't put yourself into their mind. Right, yeah, just like every, yeah, everything, a lot of the human elements might be missing. Yeah, then, yeah, because yeah, like, this is a, almost similar, like how many horror movies are there where a kid is telling the adults there's something supernatural happening and they don't believe them. Right. Well, this is the same thing here except with an older person. Right, yeah, with an adult, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that that is creepy. That that's really interesting, and and a guy peeing themselves is just a some dude who's drunk or something. Yeah, or like a, a sign of like cowardice, or that someone's like truly yeah. scared. Right, right, right. And it, yeah, and so when it's a woman or a child, generally it's like them becoming like a like a scary figure at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, oh. because it's that's the way it's used in Evil Dead remake. Um, mm-hmm. It happens with Reagan in The Exorcist as she starts to become, yeah, creepy. Um, and it follows. It's just one of the uh, um, how the monster appears at one point. Oh, so it's okay. just like it's supposed to be purely creepy. 
Yeah. Oh, um, man. Doesn't happen to an actual character or anything like that. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I feel like we should make a collage of uh, women in horror films peeing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, someone's going to get off on that probably. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to uh. Google that after this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a while there, we sounded like kind of woke and deep, and yeah, for bringing it back, <laughs> just yeah, complete one eighty. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine this. there must be like a number of films where that that must be a, like a common trope. Then it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled as we keep yeah. going through movies. Yeah, good good observation. So really sure we'll see it again. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, yeah, man, that's fine, boy. Um, all right. Well, yeah. So, in, so overall, like, you don't think that? Do you think this was like a pretty horror, like a scary film at all, or not so much? I think it. I mean, it definitely merits being called a horror movie. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't. I will say, in the third act, I did get. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd say scared, but like, there were scenes that made me cringe or wince or like. Yeah. You know, mostly Edna stabbing herself. Right. Um, and yeah. the labyrinth was creepy but at the same time i'm for some reason i just wasn't fully bought into that labyrinth but sure how yeah. about how about you uh yeah yeah i agree like scared. it yeah i mean i i think like these films they kind of work the same way they're very slow uh a lot of like character building a lot of grief um a lot of like drama up front and then they kind of rely on that big payoff in the end and yeah i think the third act kind of brought some of that with like the lights going out them going through like this labyrinth with like a flashlight and trying to escape this creature but um yeah i didn't feel like it like hit hard enough to like make up for like the pacing of the rest of the movie right and then and then yeah the ending ending is almost like uplifting which is uh surprising yeah yeah so yeah you don't walk away from this one like feeling too messed up i guess that's true yeah like they're all together i think the least uplifting part of it is that um sam sees that this will happen to her mother too yeah yeah yeah, that's a downer. And what I think you could have seen outside that window. So I think in one of the last shots, we see the stained glass window and it, the mold. I don't know if we see the mold moving or if it's just the mold is thicker on the window than before. Yeah. So maybe in the first scene, you see the mold like physically creeping in and like on the window. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like around the edges of the window, but I don't know. Okay. What do you, what do you think uh, that like symbolizes? The mold? Yeah. I think just the disease taking over more and more of you. Sure, sure. Yeah, kind of like a cancer or something that's, that's growing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. One more thing, man. Relic, the definition of relic is a... There are a few definitions, but a surviving memorial of something past oh, or a surviving wow. trace of something. Right, right. So that it's would be apt. Edna's physical existence, yeah. Right, as like a memory to like her earlier self, I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, thematically like I feel like it's very, very, very relevant and like something that probably is like taps into a fear that like everyone has uh, around like watching their loved ones or family or friends like get old and not, like lose who they are a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's, it yeah. seems like a universal type of fear in a way. For sure, I dig the theme, and I totally get how this strikes home to so many people. And I'm, I know there's going to be so many people. There already are so many people that love this movie. But Right. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, speaking of people who love this movie, uh, how many moldy grandmothers would you give this? I only give it two and a half moldy grandmothers just because uh the mechanics and the pacing and the justification yeah. for some of the things that were happening were lacking. But uh, 
Right. I admire a lot about it, but yeah, two and a half. Two and a half, yeah. You felt like the acting, uh, production, directing, all that, how'd you feel about that? I thought that was all pretty spot on. I don't really have much yeah. negatives there. Like, the acting especially was really good. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I gave it three uh, moldy grandmothers uh, for a lot of the same reasons, like a great great production, great acting. I, I thought that granddaughter, uh, she, she, she did a great job. Um, and it, as well as the grandmother, I thought she was like pretty scary at times, uh, yeah. but also like frail. Yeah, the grandmother, um, played by Robin Nevin or Naveen, is uh, very highly regarded in the Australian theater scene, apparently. Oh, cool. So, awesome. I mean, she was very good in this. Yeah, yeah, she's she really convincing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have been great to tie the story together a little bit more with the horror elements. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that's like the one thing that's different between this and movies like The Babadook or Hereditary is like there's like a real time horror aspect going on. Yeah. Uh, Yep. In, in addition to yeah, and I mean movies. even it's tough too because if you could maybe like lob the same criticisms at Babadook, it's been so long since I've seen that though. I'd have to rewatch that with the same yeah looking out for that. Yeah, yeah, same here. I kind of forget it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cool. Um, anything else uh, about this one? I think that's all I got. Awesome. All right, well, everyone, that's our discussion on Relic. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate any feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Uh, we'll also be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before that episode. Uh, we're on Discord, and we're chatting up with a few other horror fans and uh, listeners. So you can join us there. That link is on our website. We've got a Patreon page, uh, so you can find that at patreon.com slash club. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart. You can check her out on etsy.com. And our uh, Ohio Connection is brought to you by Alex Budin, who runs the Jukebox Bar in Cleveland. So head over there and grab a drink if you're in the area. And until next time, if you're looking to explore a mold that's growing in your closet, maybe pack a toothbrush because you might be going missing for a while. Ha, ha, ha.